Hello. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast today. We pray that it will be a blessing to you and that it will help you with your daily walk with Christ. My name is Ben. And my name is Jack. We have been burdened to create this podcast for the purpose of addressing a problem in the local church, and more specifically, a problem in the life of the average Christian. The problem is the absence of revival. This podcast is for the purpose of discussing what true revival is, how revival can be attained, and how revival never has to end. The word revival has become a cliche, but our goal is to get back to the biblical definition of revival. Our goal is to be revived in the eyes of God. Alrighty, guys, thank you for joining us in episode three. Hopefully you've listened to the past two. And uh, in the last episode, we talked about eliminating the bad from your life. And that is a simple way to put it, but that's basically what we talked about is the first step is just eliminating the bad. Mm. We talked about how so many Christians have built a wall in front of them that they won't even allow themselves to be able to run the race for Christ because of the sin in their lives. And we said eliminating the sin is also about eliminating the guilt in your own life. And it's having faith in God's strength that he gives you. Because remember that guilt in itself, guilt is sin. Guilt is, is more than regret. It's a lingering regret that affects you in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I messed up. I sinned, Lord. Forgive me. God forgives you. He cleanses you. You have to get over that. Don't bring it back up mm-hmm. to him again. Don't keep. It affects your viewpoint of Christ, mm-hmm. yeah. of Christ himself. Christ conquered sin mm-hmm. and guilt. Uh, guilt wavers that mindset. Yeah. And it almost puts below where it should be the power of Christ, mm-hmm. his power to overcome sin. He saved you from hell, but he can't save you from yeah. what you did last Tuesday. Yeah. But we said that we would continue this thought mm-hmm. and talk about not just choosing between the good and the bad, but choosing between the good and the best. Mm-hmm. So first things first, what's the difference? What 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 is good? What is best? A good definition, or I could say an accurate definition, not to use the word good in describing good, but would be what is acceptable. What is good is not what is bad. It is not sin. Um, going to church that is good. But going just to check a box, though, may not be arguable. You know, or it may going... not be wrong, which it is not. But it is not the best. The best. It's not where the focus should be, and it's not the mindset you should have. Exactly. So the good is what is acceptable, what is just past the line, what is not bad. You know, you can't find it in the Bible. It doesn't say that it's wrong, but it's something that will ultimately hold you back from the best. So, And you could say, well, how does something good hold me back? How does does something good that the Bible doesn't say is wrong, how does that become a stumbling block for my faith? And it has to do with, you know— it has to do with mindset, really. The difference between the good and the best is a mindset. So what is the best then? What is What makes the best better than good? That's kind of a weird way to state it. <laughs> well, the cool thing to think about is the best in our minds is what God looks at as normal because mm-hmm. God is the best. The best for the Christian is once again that standard of Christ. Christ is the best. When we talk about what we're going to do, we have to do a the Christ-like way, that is the best way. If you do something the way that Christ did it, it can be, it can't be better. You can't do it a better way mm-hmm. or more effective or more like God. Because he is infinitely ultimate. But understanding and comprehending the best, because it is such an infinite thing, it is so ultimate, is daunting. It's mm-hmm. scary. It really is. 
Mm-hmm. Especially that, that is our standard. Mm-hmm. That's what God's like. That's normal. Yeah, that's like the normal. That. Be like that. And reaching that is not something that is going to be easy to do. And it's not something that's going to be natural to us and our flesh. And also, it is not something that we can do by ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is only something we can do by the Spirit's power. When you're faced with a task, the natural thing to do is going to be look to look at your own capability, look at past events, and compare the two to determine whether or not you will be able to complete the task. And you don't even have to be doing it in your flesh, because doing something in your flesh, that's sin. Yeah. If you you could say like your soul power, if you will, or something that is not mm-hmm. the flesh, not in the wrong way, but you're trying to do what is right in your own power, you're leaving the spirit out. Yeah. Even though it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's man's not, analysis. Exactly. It's, it's not the best. It's not how Christ would have done it. Yeah. And Christ's strength will go through you and it will be something that can accomplish the impossible. So no matter what task it is, you don't have to analyze. If it's what God wants you to do, then you will have the strength to do it and you will be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But you have to rely upon him. Mm-hmm. Look at Christ. Christ was God in the flesh. Sure. Yet he was subject to God. He, in, a, in his position of sonship, he put himself under the Father. He said, my Father is greater than I. He... Every, he said that on the words that he spoke, that yeah. they were from the Father. He was led of the Spirit in the wilderness and um, in the temptations of Satan. He is our example. And what we see is that he was under the direct control of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He was under the control of God. He did what God wanted him to do. He did God's will, not his own. It says, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross in Philippians chapter 2. Well, he obedient unto death, he's obedient to something. And that something is God. Mm-hmm. He's being obedient because that was God's will. And he was obedient to the farthest he could possibly go. Yeah. In Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to do, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The best thing is in that verse, his good pleasure. But worketh in you. How does that happen? How does he, how does that worketh in you like that? How do you get the best thing? How do you get God's good pleasure in your life? In James chapter 4, in verse number 3, it says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So ye ask, because ye ask amiss. What does that mean? Or that ye may consume it upon your lusts. What does that mean? What does that have to do with asking? I think, I've thought about this verse a lot, I think what it has to do is, is asking a question with a desired answer already. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Lord, how can I be the best that I can possibly be for you? I can choose the standard of Christ, mm-hmm. but in your mind, you're not willing yeah. to do it. And even if you won't admit it to yourself, you have something in the back of your mind that you want to be the outcome. The Christian life is having everything God wants you to have and being able to give up anything that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And th- again, this is about the good and the best. Maybe that thing you want to give up is a good thing. It's not something that's bad. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, you're like, okay, the Bible doesn't say this is wrong. I can have this and you want this. And so in your prayer, when you're asking God, you're asking a mess because you're not willing to get rid of anything at any point in time, anything material, anything that could maybe even be considered good or acceptable. You should be go into a prayer to any prayer where you're asking God anything with the mindset of I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to give up anything that I need to give up in order to accomplish his ultimate will. And you say, how can I understand what is the good and what is the best? I look at decisions I have to make. I say, this is a good decision. This is a good mm-hmm. decision. But what is the best way? What would Christ do? What am, I, how, what am I supposed to do? The key is the will of God. Mm-hmm. 
it's the best thing you could possibly do is what God wants you to do. It's his good pleasure in you. And you say, how I know, how do I know what's the will of God for me? All back to relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And you don't know it because you don't ask. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. I probably should start with that. Many Christians just simply don't pray. They don't ask in the first place. They don't even want to know the will of God. Mm-hmm. But then there's Christians who maybe do ask, but they ask amiss that they may consume it upon their lusts. Mm-hmm. They they are asking, but they have a desired outcome in their mind. They want something. They actually don't want what God is going to give them. They the, want something the else. The answer doesn't come because they're not going to follow it. Mm-hmm. And God knows that because God knows everything. God knows your mindset when you're going into a prayer. And so even if you don't admit it to yourself, God knows it. And so being able to eliminate the things that maybe are acceptable is necessary in order to for God to show you his will. The road to revival is the best way. It is God's will. It is his normal state for the Christian. In your Christian life right now, you may be you could have ridden the bad. You'd say, what I'm doing now is good. I have this relationship. It's growing. It's all awesome. But the best is revival. It's Christ in every area, in every way. So don't be satisfied with the good state. That's where all. That's where the lukewarmness comes. Don't be satisfied with where you're at now. Strive for the Christ way, the best way, that mm-hmm. way of revival. And we cannot tell you what God's will for your life is. Right. And don't let anybody tell you either. Yeah. You have to get that in your own relationship with God, and you have to get it by asking and not asking amiss. Mm-hmm. But something that we do know is the will of God, and this is safe to say because it is biblical, is to be like him. It's extremely broad, mm-hmm. but the will of God in your life, it is safe to say, is to be like Christ. If you see God setting an example of the Bible, like something like, you know, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, you should be obedient unto death, even as a Christian. That is an example that God set. That is the will of God because it was set. We're supposed to be Christians, and that means little Christs, Christ-likeness. We are supposed to be accomplishing what he wants, and he set the example for us, and any example that he set can be applied in our lives. And even as you said, Jack, to be like obedient unto death. Your your initial thought may have been like, I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want to do that. God is not going to require you to do something of that magnitude unless you're at a high spiritual level. Mm-hmm. The will for you has today, because remember, don't look, you're not looking at the will, God's will for your life 10 years from now. You're looking at it right now, mm-hmm. today, and then the next day. His will for you right now is something that you can do 100%. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And as you grow, his will will be more into your life and have more control. And the things you can do for God will be greater. But right now, just do what he has the next step in front of you. The Holy Spirit works upon you one point at a time. He doesn't say, okay, you need to go, you need to move this, 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 this by this point in time. Mm-hmm. No, he works right now, mm-hmm. today. And once that thing is made right, he'll go on to the next thing. So the first is about our body. We, we could have the body of Christ. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, verse 21, yes, it says, mm-hmm. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins, and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. When I talk about the body, I'm referring to the actions. The actions of Christ were the best in every way. His actions were holy. They were righteous. And he says in 1 Peter 2, it says that he left his, what he did was an example for us to follow. 
So when you read and study the Bible, remember all the things that Christ did, that's our example. And even in the way he did them and the attitude. So we talk about the body, we talk about his actions. Everything you do should represent Christ. Mm-hmm. It should point to Christ. And it should point out Christ. Mm-hmm. Others should see. Revival is something that can be noticed from the outside. Mm-hmm. Because there's a change. Something's being broken down and something's being replaced. I uh, am very fond of the author C.S. Lewis. and I, I don't agree with, with everything C.S. Lewis said because C.S. Lewis was off on some things. He said that as Christians, we should let God into our house and start, you know, rebuilding things. And what we see is, is that we'll see him, you know, knock down a wall and, you know, he's remodeling our house. And we'll look at that and, you know, that's okay. That's okay. You know, he's making the house look a little bit better. But then we'll start seeing him do things like knocking out something that doesn't make sense to us. And we see, you know, he does something that doesn't logically make sense with our viewpoint. We don't see how that's going to benefit the house. And what we don't come to realize is that God is not remodeling your house. He's building a palace that he desires to come and live in. And that cannot mm-hmm. take place until he's knocked down the parts that you have built yourself. Mm-hmm. The parts that you have built yourself is not a place where God can dwell. God has to be able to dwell in a palace that he created himself. Revival is that process of him building in your life. And so that's a change. And so it can be seen from the outside. And those actions that you're talking about, the body of Christ, we can, others will be able to see that. And it's God's example. And that's safe to say. Again, we can't say the will of God for you, but it's safe to say that, you know, God's actions and the things he leaves as an example for us in the Bible are things that we can say are the will of God. And remember that that you are bought with a price. Your body is no longer your mm-hmm. own. In First Corinthians, it tells us that we are the temple of the Holy of the Holy Spirit that mm-hmm. dwells inside of us. As you said, Jack, it's it's God's palace. Mm-hmm. It's His house. You just merely get to be in there and mm-hmm. live there with Him. So remember, in your actions and what you do, your bo- your body is no longer of your own. Let Christ have control of you, because you cannot do everything like Christ mm-hmm. with your own power. Only by the Spirit can your body be like Christ. And also, furthering the body of Christ, we need to have the mind of Christ. And in Philippians chapter 2, which is a awesome passage of Scripture, mm-hmm. it says, Let this mind be in you, which, also, which was mm-hmm. also in yeah. Christ Jesus. And it goes on, Who, being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And it continues. As you said before, Jack, it was this episode or last episode, that a lot of our problem is our mindset. Mm-hmm. If we had the mindset of Christ, which was completely obedient to God, which was humble. Think of it. He had a humble mindset when he was the only person who didn't have mm-hmm. to have a humble mindset because he was God. God has no pride mm-hmm. because he is above all. And yet he had a humble mindset. He humbled himself and became as flesh. He became a man. He became like you and me. We need to have his mindset, which was not me, but you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. His mindset was others. And we could continue this for so long. But the only way we're going to be humble in our mindset and have humility and again, it comes back to relationship with God. I want to have the body. I want to have the actions of Christ. I want to have the mindset. I want my mind to be like Christ. For you to be like Christ 
you have to be rewritten or rebuilt upon, which means you have to lose yourself, does it not? Mm-hmm. Or at least be changed. We want revival. That means we're going to be like Christ. That means what we were, our methods, all that is going to be erased away and mm-hmm. replaced with the best thing it possibly can be, which is Christ. And if that's scary to you, then your mindset is incorrect. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it the wrong way because you're still looking at it from a mindset that I'm important and that what I think and what I feel about is what, it was, is mm-hmm. what should be essential to me. Which is very possibly the case. It just means mm-hmm. it needs to be rebuilt. Right. You need to reestablish a mindset. And like I said last time, that the reason why we're not as clean as we should be is because we've never really been clean. If we had the mindset of Christ, we would never want to go back. Mm-hmm. When we have revival, we don't want to lose it. We don't want to go back to where we were. Mm-hmm. So not only should we have the body and the, the um, actions of Christ, we should have his mindset. And lastly, I have here, just for sake of time, and really there's so many volumes we could mm-hmm. write upon and speak upon, we should have the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 17, I will not get into the context of all this because this is my own message in itself that the Lord has been speaking to me upon. But it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Mm-hmm. And that one phrase is not talking about salvation because it's talking to the Ephesian believers. But it's talking about having the heart of Christ, that Christ would be in there, that your heart would be like Christ's heart. Remember, Christ is God and God is love. Revival begins in the heart. Mm-hmm. And having the heart of Christ is essential. So even to the Christian life to be that normal Christian. If your heart is like Christ, your problems are basically going to go away, the things mm-hmm. that you're dealing with now. Your mindset, your body, all that's going to be changed when you have the heart of Christ. We, we naturally do things according to our feelings and what mm-hmm. our heart says. Very apt to do. That's what Paul was, this is actually a prayer there, talking about to the believers at Ephesus, about having the heart of Christ. And really, we will have to stop there because having the body of Christ, the mind of Christ, and the heart of Christ, all that, is just a fraction Mm -hmm. of what Christ desires for us, what God desires for us, for the road to revival. So, to sum it up, we've talked about removing the sin in the last episode. In this episode, talking about choosing the good and the best. Don't be satisfied with where you are now and what you're doing for God, even though it may be good. Strive for the best, the absolute, mm-hmm. that standard of Christ. And remember, the way that you get there, that you do that, that you're at that standard, is your relationship with God. When that relationship grows and you remove that sin, and you see the good that you have now, and you're not satisfied with it, but you choose to obey the will of God, that will lead you to the very possible best. It will lead you to the standard of Christ. 